Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here today. We want to welcome you, especially welcome our visitors who are with us. Uh, we are engaged in a series of lessons entitled Preaching from the Poets, where we are looking at the spiritual message behind um, secular songs that we find in our culture. And we were supposed to end the series uh, this Sunday, but we're going to extend it by, by one week. And uh, that's just because sometimes things happen, and, and sometimes a message is not always appropriate, and uh, sometimes you have to change. And so that's what we did this week. You know, one of the things that, that we miss when we come to Scripture is just how much of it is poetry. And one of the reasons uh, for this is that um, it's difficult to uh, move poetry from one language to another. So a lot of times we, we miss it. Something just gets lost in translation. Now, translators have tried to address this problem by putting the poetical parts of the Bible in a different typeset, or, or, or they've done some other way to identify it to let you know, hey, this part of the Bible is poetry. So how much of the Bible is poetry? Well, um, here's what one Old Testament scholar has to say about it. He said, poetry makes up a large part of the Bible. In addition to the poetic books themselves, Psalms, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and Lamentations, there are large sections of poetry in other biblical books, well over half of Isaiah, over one-third in Jeremiah, and around one-fifth of Ezekiel, as well as more than half of the materials in the Minor Prophets and other poetic sections in the narrative books, such as Hannah's Psalm in 1 Samuel 2. Altogether, the more than half of the Old Testament is poetry, and the Old Testament makes up more than two-thirds of the Christian Bible. That's a lot of the Bible that's poetry. And so this raises a question for us, maybe one that you've never considered. Why poetry? And there are several reasons why God chooses to speak to his people through poetry. And I want you to just uh, at least know three of them today. First, God appreciates beauty. Beauty is one of the three transcendentals, uh, along with goodness and truth. And what this means, I know that's a big fancy word, but what this means is that when we encounter goodness, or when we encounter beauty, or when we encounter truth in the world... There is some connection to God. Because all truth is God's truth. And all beauty is God's beauty. We see this in Scripture. This is not just my idea. We, we see it in Scripture, like Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory, the beauty of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. The beauty that we encounter in the world speaks of God. It declares his glory. And poetry is a form of beauty. And therefore, poetry can point us to God. Second, poetry is heard when it's hard for people to listen. And so most of the poetry that's found in the Bible outside of the wisdom literature, Psalms and Proverbs and those books, is actually found in the prophets. That's where you'll find a lot of poetry. And these individuals, these prophets, were called to go to speak to people who did not want to listen. And so there are times 
when reason will not work. There are times when people are not going to listen to a rational argument. And it's in this context that the prophets rely heavily on poetry. Because beauty has a way of speaking to people when the plain truth will not. And then third, poetry is the language of the soul. And so songs speak to us in ways that other forms of communication don't. Songs are not primarily aimed at our head, they're primarily aimed at the heart. And so they hit us differently than sitting in a class or listening to a lecture. We need poetry because it penetrates parts of us that pure reason won't. I was in Austin on Tuesday when I received the news about Byron. And so after I finished my meeting there, I got in my truck to head back to LaGrange. And at first, I just, I just drove in silence, because that's, which I don't often do, but I did. And, and was just reflecting on things. And then I began to shuffle some songs on my playlist, and I went to an artist by the name of Patty Griffin. And there was one song in particular that, that really spoke to me in that moment. And the name of the song is When It Don't Come Easy. And so I want you to hear the lyrics of that song this morning. Red lights are flashing on the highway. I wonder if we're ever going to get home. I wonder if we're going to ever get home tonight. Everywhere the water's getting rough. Your best intentions may not be enough. I wonder if we're going to ever get home tonight. But if you break down, I'll drive out and find you. If you forget my love, I'll try to remind you and stay by you when it don't come easy. I don't know nothing except change will come. Year after year, what we do is undone. Time keeps moving from a crawl to a run. I wonder if we're ever, if we're going to ever get home. You're out there walking down a highway and all the signs got blown away. Sometimes you wonder if you're walking in the wrong direction. But if you break down, I'll drive out and find you. If you forget my love, I'll try to remind you and stay by you when it don't come easy. So many things that I had before that don't matter to me now. Tonight I cry for the love that I've lost and the love I've never found. When the last bird falls and the last siren sounds, someone will say what's been said before. It's only love we were looking for. But if you break down, I'll drive out and find you. If you forget my love, I'll try to remind you and stay by you when it don't come easy. You know, unlike last week, I, I don't know much about the background of this song. It's possible that it's just a simple love song, but as I think about these lyrics, I really don't think so. There's some depth to these lyrics. The verses are about searching for something which is yet to be found, and so it echoes that famous U2 song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, which is an obvious Christian song, if you go and look at it. And the idea behind that one and this one is a biblical one. C.S. Lewis called it the argument from desire. And so it goes like this. If we have a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, 
then it means we were created for a different world. And you see this in passages like Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, where it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And I think something similar is going on in this song. It's about a person who's looking for a home which they cannot find. And we all feel like this at various points in our life. We feel like strangers in this world. We feel like we were created for something more. And these feelings can be disorienting. We see this in the second verse of this song. I wonder if we're ever going to get home. You're out there walking down a highway and all the signs got blown away. Sometimes you wonder if you're walking in the wrong direction. And what this is right here is a modern day lament, just like you find in the Psalms. We don't like it when life gets disorienting. We don't like feeling like strangers or foreigners. And sometimes we just don't know what to do. And so all we can do is cry out to God, God, hear my plea. God, hear my prayer. Just like you see in the Psalms over and over again. And just like in the Psalms, we get an answer. And the answer comes in the chorus. But if you break down, I'll drive out and find you. If you forget my love, I'll try to remind you and stay by you when it don't come easy. Now again, this could just be a simple love song. But to me, it seems to be something more. If we're feeling disoriented or if we're feeling alone, it seems like this is something that God would say. If you break down, I'm going to drive out and find you. If you forget my love, I'm going to try to remind you and I'm going to stay by you when it don't come easy. And I'm not just speaking off the top of my head here. It's not just a feeling. I think there are Bible passages that go right along with this. And I'll give you a few. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then there is Isaiah 49, 15 through 16. And we need a little context for this passage. In this passage, Israel has come to God and Israel has accused God of forgetting them. God, you've forgotten us. That's what they're saying. And look at how God replies. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you, I have tattooed you on the palms of my hands. 
God does not forget us. God does not abandon us. It's not in his nature. nature. He is a merciful God who continually pursues us. And if we miss out on the love of God, it's not God's fault. It's our fault for not receiving it, for not noticing it. This may be the most truthful thing uttered in any song. If you forget my love, I'll try to remind you and stay by you when it don't come easy. Life is not easy. It's difficult. It's tough. It's full of ups and downs. It's trial after trial after trial. But God does not give up on us. We sometimes forget God's love. We often do. It's why we don't always love our neighbor as we should, or our enemy as we should, or even as our own brothers and sisters as we should. We forget. But then God has this way of reminding us of his love. He has a way of reminding us of what is truly important and and the way that we should go, the ways in which we should walk in. And when life is not easy, he does not leave us. He stays right by our side. How so? How is God present in life's most difficult moments? Well, God is never far from us. I want you to notice what Paul says in Acts chapter 17. He says in his sermon to the Areopagus, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. God is near. We don't have to go halfway around the world to search for him. We don't have to go to a different country or a different state. God is not way off in the distance somewhere. He is close to each of us. He is active in our lives. He is present in our distress. He is with us when the road gets rough. The psalmist puts it this way. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What kind of God is God? He is a very present help in trouble. And so he stays by us when it don't come easy. God who went to the cross and suffered and died is able to sympathize with whatever it is we are dealing with. He understands our grief. He understands our pain. And when times get tough, remember that God is near. Second, God is present in his church. And so the language that is associated with the church in the New Testament is quite amazing. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in our midst. God is part of our worship each time that that we gather to sing, pray, and commune around the table. God is with us when we leave this place and we go out to do his will. Does this mean that everything we say and do will always be right? 
No. But God works through our imperfections. He uses these clay vessels to bring glory to his name. Some of the other language used of the church in the New Testament is that we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so what Jesus did, you think about his ministry on this earth, we are to continue. This is the mission of the church. What does this mean? It means if someone breaks down, we're going to go out and find them. It means if someone forgets God's love, we're going to help to remind them. It means we will stay by their side when it don't come easy. We are not a people who give up on one another. We are not a people who are afraid of obstacles in our path. We are not a people who are worried about difficult situations that come up in life. Why? How can that be so? Because we know that God is with us and that we have the support of one another. Jesus is by our side. But that's not all. His hands and feet are everywhere in our midst. And so we don't just have one set of hands helping us. We have many. And I know this because I've seen it. I've seen God at work among us. I've seen this congregation do incredible things in the name of Jesus. And I know that this is not the work of mere mortals. God is present in his church. And so why this song? Why today? Why did I happen to, to choose it on Tuesday after sitting in silence? Well, I don't think it was me who chose it. I think it was God. And some of you knew Byron and some of you didn't. Some of you knew him a lot better than I did. But one thing I appreciate about Byron is he was never going to hold anything back that his life was just an open book. And he, he was going to tell you about the good and the bad. And there was a lot of both. If you don't know, and, and this is something that he would tell you to your face or as soon as you met him, but, he, but he, for years he wrestled with addiction. And so he knew the face of darkness. And for the last year or so, he was winning that battle, doing an amazing job. And the Byron I came to know was an incredible force for good in this world. He was a light, and he was not afraid of the darkness. He was willing to, to stare it in the face in order to help someone in need. And he was passionate about ministering to people on the margins, ministering to people who are often overlooked in our society. He had compassion because he was there once. And here's what I believe. I believe that God never gave up on Byron. And Byron understood this, and so he never gave up on anyone else. And this is how we are to live our lives. 
This is being the hands and feet of Jesus. This is never giving up when it don't come easy. Let's pray. Dear God, we're thankful for this moment when we can gather as your body and come into your presence and worship you and glorify you and honor you. And Father, some of us are hurting this morning. I pray that you be with those of us whose hearts are heavy. I pray especially that you be with the Hayes family and lift them up and comfort them and be with us as we strive to be Jesus to them and help them in this time of need. And Father, be with us all as we seek to continue the ministry that your son began on this earth. To seek to go out and to have compassion on people and to be merciful to people and to just help them in their time of need. Because life is not easy. It's not easy for a lot of folks. And I pray that we would understand this and that we would seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people all around us. I know that you're already working in our midst, and I'm grateful for this. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.